Are you someone who finds it difficult to have those big, important, uncomfortable conversations with your loved ones? Do you struggle with confidence and want to find a way to go after your dreams, even in the face of adversity? Well, then you're in luck because today's guest is the perfect guide to help you get more honest and authentic with yourself and others and start going after the life you've imagined. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim the word creative, take fear out of the driver's seat, and love yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. On the show, we explore the creative process and journey, mental health, self-development, spirituality, and everything it means to be a human and become more human. Today's guest is Karen Lee Poder. She's an author, influencer, and co-host of my favorite podcast, Sex Talk with My Mom. Oh, she's also a self-proclaimed cougar, which she has rebranded to stand for confident, older, unique, genuine, assertive, and racy woman. Her and her work have been featured on Tosh.0, The Today Show, Comedy Central, Huffington Post, Pop Sugar, Esquire, and more. Karen Lee's story is one of resilience and rising from the ashes. When she was 47, her husband of 24 years and the father of her three amazing children was tragically murdered. At that point, she says she asked herself, would you rather crawl under the covers and let trauma control your life? Or could you embrace the power that you found going through something as hard as that and become more confident than you ever thought you could be? She chose the latter. She decided she wanted to live a more open life at that point and began sharing about sex, relationships, and cougar confidence. She put herself out there. She talked about her experiences dating younger men on YouTube and had great success. She went viral. She started a brand new career in her late 40s as a host and sex and dating expert. Her work on YouTube inspired her book, Fuck Games, Date Cougars, which highlights Karen Lee's personal stories, thoughts, and experiences going from widow to cougar living is not only funny, but also relatable and has so many important takeaways. The same goes with her podcast, Sex Talk with My Mom, which she co-hosts with her comedic son, Past Unleashed guest, and my friend, Cam Poder. And the podcast is just incredible and really destigmatizes the conversation around sex between parent and child, and honestly, between you and anyone that you might feel uncomfortable to talk about sex with. Through this chat, you'll learn how to alchemize trauma into authenticity, approach life with confidence, start a new career at any age, have conversations about sex with both your parents and your kids, and tips to handle the naysayers of your dreams and not let them deter you. Now here she is, the incredible Karen Lee Poder. I don't think you know this, but you're kind of one of my mentors, my heroes. I think you're the most incredible woman because you are the epitome of somebody who's unleashed creatively, sexually, emotionally. You are your full self all the time, and you're a complete inspiration to me and to everybody who listens to you. So thank you for okay. being here. I I don't think you should have started this way. <laughs> I am all proclaimed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a wishful. That was like the nicest compliment I have ever received in my life. Well, it's true. It's true. I admire you so much because you are not someone who's ever let adversity stop you from doing what you want to do. And you have an incredible story of reinventing yourself at a time when like, especially for women, I feel like when we're over 30, they're just like, oh, you're dead. You're dried up. Over 30? No, I mean, that's Try a being feeling. over 60. Exactly. But that's a feeling that I think that we as women get a lot of the time. And I love that you have never let society's barriers put you in a box, that you've always been fully yourself. And so you're the perfect guest for me and human. Oh, <laughs> well, I feel the same about you. You are oh. just, you know, I was a little bit tired on the way in and I talked to my son. I said, you know, I'm tired. Do you think I should drink some green tea and get a little up? She goes, nope, Lauren will have so much energy that you won't need a thing. <laughs> And he's right. I'm like completely energized. I feel like I can run a marathon. Who am I kidding? No, we're not going to run a marathon, but we're going to we're going to do we'll, the podcast. We'll talk a marathon. We'll talk a marathon. Yeah. What do you want to know? Oh, well, I want to know so many things, but you've had a sexual and creative revolution where you had to completely rebuild yourself and your life when your husband passed away when you were in your 40s. But before that, you had a dream. And on this show, we talk a lot about the inner child and being the key to creativity. So when you were little like a little kid, a little girl, what was your dream? It's funny because I didn't realize it at the time, but my sister and I used to play like radio shows and we'd make commercials. And yeah. I remember one of them was go out and buy yourself a bottle of apple, Boone's Fire Apple Wine. Da, 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 da. <laughs> 
we would literally make up like little TV shows or little radio shows. And then when I went to college, I also would be the one that would always make the mixtapes and things like that. And then one day I was driving in the car and one of my kids said to me, what would you want to be if you could be anything? And I said, I want to be a talk show host. And I had no idea how that was going to occur or why I said that, but it just like popped into my head that that's what I wanted to do. So, well, someone just said, you have to listen to your inner star. And that's what I did. Yeah. It, but you, you <laughs> didn't do it at first. And no. so I'm interested, like when you were in your marriage and when you were raising your kids, was this dream like flickering in your heart? Like, why didn't you go after it at that point? Because I was in an era of the stay at home mom. If your kids went to daycare, you're like not a good mom. And that was good for me because all I cared about, like literally when I got married at 23 and I was with my husband since 21, all I cared about is being a mom. I was trying to have a kid when I was like 25, 26. Wow. And by the time I had my daughter, I was 27. I was so old. Oh my gosh. And then I had a miscarriage and I had a son and another two miscarriages late in the over four months. And a perfect example, and you probably heard it on my podcast is, I went to a course on astrology and I remember talking after class to the astrologer and she's like, you, you people can ask me anything you want about yourself. And I asked about my three kids. Mm. I was like one of those people that just give up their life for their children, especially my kids were all in theater. So I was like that mama Rose and from Gypsy, like just <laughs> consummate in the audience, clapping, you know, cheering the kids on. So yeah, I didn't have any inkling that this was going to happen to me. None. It was like a complete game changer world switching over kind of thing. And when you were in that stage with your kids, were you just so happy to be there? You didn't have a feeling that you wanted to be in another place. You wanted to be that super present mom. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially when my kids were in high school and Cam, my middle son's friends would come over. It was always at, like after 11 at night that the real good conversations would start. <laughs> and I was like, literally like the cool mama who would sit and talk to all the kids about like, tell me about your college experience or tell me about what's going on. Oh, tell me about the time that you, you know, ripped the chest hairs off with some kid waxed his chest hairs off and didn't think it was going to hurt. And it was like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> like out of a movie. But they would ask me questions that they couldn't ask anybody else. Well, it's interesting because like while you weren't doing what exactly what you wanted to do, like career wise at that time, you were kind of planting the seeds for what you would do someday. If you're, you look at it that way, yeah. yes. And I, I, I got chills because you're right. I didn't even think of it. What's wonderful, and I think you do this too and think the way I do, mm. it's so wonderful to do you, your dream and make what you do fun and not feel like work. Yeah. So it wasn't ever work for me. Right. And you were creating that kind of environment where people could be themselves. They could feel unashamed of some of the things that maybe they wouldn't feel very comfortable talking about with their parents or maybe even anyone else. Oh, yeah. Like you've I, always been a non-judgmental person who makes people feel at ease talking about their lives. A hundred percent. You really do know me. And I feel very honored that you're saying all these wonderful things. But it is true. Like we had one of uh, my daughter's friends, her, her brother died. Right. And then her sister had suicidal thoughts. Mm. And... She came and she slept at my house and she called me mom. And I also have like my other son, when after my husband died, he had the whole basement to himself. So can you imagine how many kids would sleep over and destroy the basement? Yeah. But, you know, I felt like I'd rather have the kids be in my house under my supervision than have them go somewhere else and get in trouble somewhere else. So let's talk about this pivotal moment that really changed the course of your life. When you were 47, your husband was murdered. And it was a surprise, obviously. You think? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was a surprise to me, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And you had to completely rebuild. And here you are with three kids. You know, now you're a widow. Take me through how you got through that traumatic moment and came out as resilient as you are. Again, if you listen to the podcast, I probably spoke about this moment many times. But for those of you who haven't heard. And the podcast is Sex Talk with my mom. This is Karen Lee Poder, Cam Poder's mom. He's been on the show. It's my favorite podcast. Go on. I love you. <laughs> Sometimes you go into mama bear mode. I got a phone call on one Tuesday morning. I was, uh, you know, interestingly enough, I had an entire crew of the Yale mixed company singers at my house. They were doing a, like a road tour. And this happened on a Tuesday morning. I got a call from my husband who goes into work early. Someone in his office called me and said, you have to come to the hospital. He's been stabbed. And my daughter was there and the whole group of singers were there. And I just took her in the car with me and we went over. The other two kids were still in school, high school and grammar school. 
And we went to the hospital and I'm not going to get into the gory details, but it was pretty devastating, as you can just imagine. If your husband, you find out, is fatally stabbed by an employee who was obviously deranged, but that's another whole issue. And I just went into this mama bear mode where I took my kids into the, when we went back to the house, I took them up into the bedroom and I said, we are a strong family and we are always going to be a strong family. I'm just going to start crying again. Anyway, it just like you just go into remote control when something like tragic happens and you have to protect your kids because they're more important than anything to you. And they're all teenagers. One was a preteen. So it was pretty, it was pretty tough, but it kind of like was automatic for me. It was just a, like one of those automatic responses. I mean, to have that much foresight and to be that selfless in that moment where you went into mama bear mode and did protect your kids. And this is a story Cam told when he came on my show, too. Ah. And he said that that was the pivotal moment, what you did when you pulled the three of them aside and said, we're a family, we're a strong family, we're going to get through this. Yep. And first of all, your life should be made into a movie. I don't know what Hollywood is doing, <laughs> not making a movie about Karen Lee Potter because- You're right. Like this inciting incident is just so, yeah, it's incredible. But then, okay, so this moment happens, you you get your strength. How do you go from there to like completely reinventing your life and not only taking care of your children, but maybe for the first time in at least a long time saying, you know what, I'm going to be who I am now. Okay. So I forgot to mention that I was a writer. I've always been a writer. Okay. And I wrote a couple books that never got published because we couldn't self-publish at the time. So right. you had to really be a name or something good. So one of them was about fish because I was a big underwater diver. So I had a big fish tank, a saltwater fish tank, 250 gallons. And I wrote about a children's book called I Took a Ride on the Back of a Birdmouth Rass, which is a one of the fish that we had in the tank. And I also did another book, which I think is untitled, and maybe I should pull it out one day. Yeah. But the point is that I was taking some classes and writing for children and I had done some writing. I had also done some commercial work where I started working um, as a video director of videos for like bar and bar mitzvahs, or weddings, day parties, anniversary parties. Yeah. I would create these videos and I made pretty damn good money making them because really I just kind of created them on my own and nobody was really doing it. My, the guy I was working for was like, I can't do this. I have no ability to think of what to do. And I was doing all this kind of wow. advanced editing I taught myself. And I was making these videos and creating a little career for myself. And I did a few other commercials along the way. So I had kind of this background. And then I decided it is my time to unleash that inner creative, inner creative or just being a sexual person. Or, you know, I wanted to be alive again. I was in a monogamous relationship for 24 years. Mm. So I had to actually lose my virginity again. <laughs> Which is really scary. It I wasn't mean, for me. Well, it was pretty exciting. Okay, so tell me how, because I was in a relationship for seven years. I'm in one again now, but I took a two-year break in between that. And the first time I slept with another person after that seven-year relationship, I was like, what happens? <laughs> how, do, how do I just be naked in front of a new person? So if somebody's in a similar situation where they've been in a relationship for a long time, and now they're single again. What's your advice to them on how to not freak out when they're naked in front of a stranger again? That's such a good question. Um, darkness is my friend. <laughs> but, the, but the truth of the matter is, is I've interviewed so many people over the years and I haven't found any guy that threw any woman out of bed because they have an extra wrinkle or extra flat tire on their stomach or right. a saggy butt or whatever else you're concerned with. Were you more concerned with looks or more concerned with technique Everything. The, the whole process. The whole process seemed daunting. All right. Well, let's start with 101, what to do when you get into bed with someone, which you need to first know your own owner's manual. I always created, I always like to make an analogy to a car. Yeah. So you need to have your own owner's manual. So you have to know how you make yourself come. You have to know what makes you feel sexual. I always think wearing lingerie, even when no one else is seeing it, is going to make you feel sexy, mm. you know? So I have a lot of tips in my book, A Cougar's Guide to Getting Your Ass Back Out There. That's right. Actually, you know, it's, <laughs> this isn't the exact one. Oh, no. We do have a copy of KLP's, one of her books, Fuck Games, Date Cougars. So check it out. Yeah. that's It, it was right next to Obama. It, yeah. I love that it was next to Obama's book. It's and appropriate I, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so th that's a good a good plan, though. Like, Basically feel sexy on your own, like walk around wearing an outfit that makes you feel right. good in your body, masturbate, like see what you like, 
I think for me too, like even being communicative with the guy, I was like, I told him like, I'm really nervous right now. I feel weird. I'm like, I'm excited to do this with you, but I'm nervous. I and he was say, very receptive. Yeah. To that. Well, if you're with a good person, yeah. you just, you know, just take it slow. There's no reason. I actually was speaking about this last night. There's no urgency yeah. to ruin that first few dates where you're like totally like touching each other. And it's, it's just so electrifying and kissing. I remember my husband even said, I could kiss you for two weeks straight, oh, you know, goodness. but you can't go back. Like if you, have sex on the first date, then you can't go back to, oh, I just want to kiss you next date. It just doesn't work that way. So like, you're going to continue to have sex. So I would say take it slow. You know, there's no urgency. There's no relay race to get it done. And, you know, just be confident in yourself. And I already reinvented the word cougar to be a confident, older, yes, unique, genuine, assertive, and racy woman. There's a reason for that. That's the confidence is what is so attractive to both sexes. So, in this period after your husband passes away, you start getting out there again. And what you're finding during this time is that younger men are gravitating to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the first time I even heard the word cougar. I'm like, so I hear him. I'm walking to a basketball game. I'm like, oh, there's two cougars. I'm like, who said that and why? Yeah, you thought it was like the basketball team. Yeah. I thought <laughs> Go it was cougars. You know, and I like cougar much better than MILF. Oh, yeah. MILF is feels derogatory. It's objectifying. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Well, first of all, when you're in a relationship for 24 years with the same person, you don't want to jump into another long-term relationship. You want to just have this time. It was like someone said to me, it's like opening a new chapter in your book or maybe a new book altogether. But you want to be able to like experiment and try different things. And you're not really looking for anything more than companionship and good sex. But I found that the young guys were just so fun. They just didn't have like the hostility and the baggage and the, like I had one guy say to me, I hate my mother. And he started talking about how much he hated his mother. I'm thinking, you know, that's not a good sign. Yeah, that's a red flag. <laughs> red flag, a red flag. But just younger guys seemed, they just wanted to explore and, and talk. And I remember one guy saying to me, like, I just wish girls my age were as cool as you. But I wasn't so cool at the beginning. The first guy that I had sex with, I brought him back to my house. And I'm like thinking, we're just going to kiss. I always had this idea, we're just going to kiss and it's that not going any further. Never I, works it's, out. And, he, and this guy, he literally said, you know what? I wish people could be cool about sex. So he left. And the next time he came over, I go, I'm cool about sex. And of course, it was fun. It was very fun. And that opened the door for me to explore with other guys. I mean, it wasn't like I would just have sex with random guys. It was always me delusional thinking, I'm just going to make out with this guy and that's it. But I mean, you have to take certain precautions and try to be real safe about who you're with. So I would actually get to know people on the phone or talk to them, you know, or find out if friends knew them because... It can be a scary thing out there when you're in your late 40s and you're experimenting sexually for the first time in 20-something years. Yeah, for sure. I think any age experimenting sexually can be scary if you're being realistic and smart about yeah, it. Yeah. So tell me, like, I know when you were younger, you definitely enjoyed sex, but were you as sex positive back then? Like, where did you gain this huge sex positivity within yourself? Um, I would say... That when I got down to college, I, don't, I was like a goody goody two shoes in high school. I was like right. number graduated number twelve in my class of five hundred. I was a good student. I was not partying and doing anything like so horrible. I was the eldest child, and you know my parents gave me a twelve o'clock curfew in the summer before I went to college. Well, when I got down to college the first night, I'm like I'm staying up all night because I can, and that caused me to try things like quaaludes. That was something that they had in my day, which I kind of wish miss I missed so terribly. Dearly. I've listened to a lot of interviews <laughs> where you're talking about how much you miss quaaludes. It's like the perfect high. It's like you think you're buzzed from alcohol, but there's no like, I want to vomit later on. It's just like, you go to sleep and you wake up refreshed. <laughs> I, I think that's why they outlawed them. They were just too good. This is a quaaludes commercial. A commercial <laughs> from why you shouldn't do drugs. But anyway, uh, it, it also, it, even forget even the quaaludes or whatever. I was also smoking a lot of weed. And it makes you feel more comfortable and mm -hmm. sexual. So that was part of it. And also, I had been such a good student in high school. I'm like, in college, I'm going to try everything once. You know, I'm just going to try it all. And I wasn't looking for a boyfriend. I was just looking for, again, just some fun companionship with guys. I love men. I've always loved guys. Yeah. So college was like such an exploratory, fun time for me. I think it's the best four years of my life for sure. There's no question. You guys, if you're listening to this and you're going off to college, Best four years of your life coming right up as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's like fake adulthood because, you know, like you're not really living real life yet, but you're living all the fun parts of real life. 
So that totally. does make it the best. And you never have to worry about anybody but yourself. Yeah. And that's very rare in life. Very rare. Very, very rare. So, okay. You're getting like sex positive because you're kind of just like, whatever. But did you have any shame you had to undo or were your parents? I know you said your dad is a doctor, so he's very clinical and like would be like penis and vagina. But was there any like listen and remember, geez, was there any shame around sex that you had to undo? And how did you do that? I had big boobs, something you would know about. But they're beautiful now. At the time, that was something to be ashamed of. I was always off by decades. That's why you say you're the oldest ever millennial. I'm the oldest living millennial. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. have a t-shirt that says it. But the truth of the matter is, is that I had this big round bubble butt. And I remember a guy in the cafeteria shouting, hey, fat ass. I mean, not in P-H-A-T either. It was F-A-T. It was not cool to have a fat ass and big boobs, which now it's like people are getting butt implants. It's yes. so frustrating. And injections. So, yes. And I was always very uncomfortable, like with, you know, being naked with a guy in, in that sense, because my boobs were so big, you know, now it's like they flattened out. I had three kids and I'm, everything drops down with gravity. Right. It's, it, it's all, I'm off. I'm just off by generations. So how did you get rid of the shame? Or like, how'd you at least lessen it? my husband was my boyfriend junior year in college. And then we broke up for a time. That's another whole story. I I never knew that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a breaking news to me. Well, I was best friends with him. And I think that's also something I would advise. If you're in college, just be best friends with someone because they'll let their guard down. You really know who you're dealing with. And I was best friends with him. But what happened was that we weren't having any kind of sexual feelings towards each other until he started dating someone. When he started dating someone, I'm like looking at this girl going, hmm. And she was asexual. She didn't like to have sex. So he would literally go date her, drop her off and go pick me up and we'd go have sex and then drop me off. And then this went on for months until finally I'm thinking to myself, well, we're having the best relationship. This is awesome. I'm going to make an ultimatum. Enough with this. We're taking her to, you know, sorority dances right. and the formals. The ball. The formals. <laughs> yeah. She got to go to all the formals. And I'm oh, like, oh, that's bull. Yeah. So I said, you know what? It's time. Make a choice, me or her. And he goes, well, she needs me more, so I'm going to choose her. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So I went to another friend's house, smoked about a carton of cigarettes and like hated him for life. Till I met my then boyfriend in the summer. I stayed down in Champaign, Urbana, which was so fun. And he was the complete opposite of my husband. He was like on a farm with, you know, a tractor trailer. And he was such a sweetheart. But I just like, I loved being with him. But when you have too much control in a relationship, it's just no good. He was willing to like, convert to Judaism for me. He was willing to move to Chicago from a small town in rural Illinois. And I loved him, but it just wasn't going to work. So you, as a strong woman, feel like it's better to be with someone who gives you a little bit of a challenge you can have a back and forth I with. do. Well, that's yeah. just me. I don't like when I have all the control. It's boring. It, it can be boring, but also it could be, a. Uh, am sorry I said that because then uh, there's, I don't like controlling men either, which is another reason I think I like the younger guys because they're not as controlling as the older ones. Ah. But anyway, so I broke up with the one guy from down south, and then my husband-to-be came back to me and said, I want to date you. I'm like, well, no, screw you. You blew your chances. But he made it up to me. He just took a picture of her and him, and we were out to dinner one night, and he burned it in a candle. This is how he proved to me his love. So being with him, like, ultimately helped you feel sexually expressed and not shameful about sex. Totally. I mean, because he was so open about it, right? My husband, he loved sex. He said, wake me up anytime, day or night, and I'll have sex. He just enjoyed sex. So why not? You know, and both of us were really, you know, compatible sexually. And I think that's what gave me so much confidence because I had tried a lot of different things with him that I wouldn't have tried with if someone was more repressed. So, right. Yeah. So I owe it all to my deceased husband. Shout out to him. So, We're going to fast forward again. You're out there. You're dating. You're like a lot of younger men are attracted to you. You're seeing them. You're reclaiming the word cougar. And you're like, I could use some advice on how to keep getting myself back out there and like be in this world. So you go to YouTube and there's nothing. And so you decide to make your own YouTube page. Walk me through this. Yeah, there was nothing out there except for like young 20-something-year-old wing girls or the guys giving you pickup artist advice. And it just didn't work. I'm thinking, there's so many women that are in my situation. I'm sure if I can do my own YouTube channel, I can help all these women that are trying to get their ass back out there. Of course, I got like 100 views in a month on YouTube. 
And it was very devastating because I put a lot of time and effort into that early YouTube channel. I called it Love Encore. And you're like the queen of going viral. So you were never going to be <laughs> satisfied with that. She's got an amazing TikTok. If you haven't checked oh, it out, you're so it's cute. at Karen Lee Potter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so good. And I can understand how you would have been devastated at that number. You're putting so much effort into it. I was getting my hair done. Now I roll out of bed for a TikTok. I don't even wash my face. Yeah. It's kind of nice though. Yeah. It is kind of yeah. nice. You don't have to worry. Who cares? More eh? authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at you making this honey out of whatever, <laughs> lemonade out of lemons, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. I was going to say one of the other major things that I wanted to do was to advise women to go find like-minded women to go hang with. Cause I always right. had my other friend was a widow as well. And she was in our group of friends and she and I were, we would always hang out together and we'd always walk up to a group of guys and they'd say, you know, are you guys divorced? No, we're widows. And then they go, Oh yeah. And, and then we go, but we didn't kill them. That was our little funny bone or whatever you call it. Yeah. It's great to have humor in a hard situation. It helps right. you get through. Yeah, there you go. That's what I was trying to say. So you got the hundred views and you're like, oh, this is kind of bullshit. And then you had a porn star on, right? Well, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I had Nina Hartley on. I've had dozens of porn stars on male and female, but I think what it was, was I noticed that the few views that I got were always 18 to 35 year old guys wanting to learn about cougars. And I'm like, well, hmm, if you can't beat them, join them. I, I certainly can give you some advice about where you find cougars. And those are still like my bread and butter on all the social media. The, these guys, they just want information. So that's why I wrote the book, uh, Fuck Games Day Cougars. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I interviewed a bunch of porn stars, sexologists, and my friends, and the channel started growing. And yeah, one of them is you know, well over 5 million views. I Maybe probably more right now. It's 10 things a cougar should never do. But yeah, so I did that for several years. I have a couple questions about it. Number one, when you started this, did you tell anyone or did you just kind of test the waters and see how it went on your own? I told everybody. Okay. I love that. <laughs> and did you get any backlash? And if so, how did you deal with it? Oh, yeah. I even got backlash from my deceased father who said, your podcast is called Sex Talk with My Mom. I'm like, yeah, we're on Megyn Kelly today. And, you know, Good Morning America or whatever. And he's like, well, I'm not telling my friends that that's what you do. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's your loss then. And the next morning he called me up. He goes, I'm sorry for saying that that wasn't nice. Hmm. So he redeemed himself. He realized it. I mean, all along the way, I got naysayers. Well, like my brother said, when my husband died, I said I was going to write a book about it. And he's like, who's going to want to read your book? I mean, there are always people out there that just, you know, have to kind of crush you, but you just have to stand up. I love the haters on TikTok. I know. I wanted to ask you about that. So this is one of my favorite parts of your TikTok. You never let a hate comment pass you by. Oh, I, you, I do, though. It's just, I can't get them all. There's a lot of them. You reply to them, though, and you like just basically roast them. So a lot of people are so crushed when somebody says something mean and they really let it take them down. But you, on the other hand, highlight it. So tell me your tactic for dealing with haters and your advice for other people. The four agreements, number three or four is don't take anything personally. And that I live by. I don't take anything personally. These people don't know me. They don't know anything about me other than what they see in, in three or four seconds that they're watching and that and swiping or whacking off or whatever they're doing. So I don't let it get to me. As a matter of fact, I love it when they say stupid ageism usually. It's like yesterday someone said during my live stream, are those dentures? Are your dentures falling out? I'm like, that's like the worst thing you should have criticized me on because I have great teeth. You do. Thank you. I'm looking at them live. They're perfect. <laughs> so I just love it because you know what? People always jump on the bandwagon to hate the hater, you know, because there's so many people out there that are spreading negativity. And I think half of the time they do it so that they can get me to respond anyway. Yeah. But it just makes me laugh to say, you know, your brain is not functioning because you're not 25 yet. So shut the fuck up. It's just underdeveloped. It's just not developed until 25. So I don't take it seriously. Yeah. I love the way you deal with it. It really teaches me a lot because I can let those comments really like they, I start sweating and I'm like, oh my God, this person hates me. But it's like, what if I was just irreverent about it and laughed it off? What would happen? I don't know. I usually follow them back, which also gets them to shut up. You follow them back. Yeah. It's, oh. a, it's a power move. It's like, oh, I'm coming into your house now, bitch. Oh, wow. No, I don't give them that much credit. I yeah. Just, but I love that, uh, you know, when we first did our podcast, we had a manifesto. And one of the things this mm -hmm. was don't give two fucks. 
But give one. Don't give any. Don't give any. Don't fucks. give any. Okay. I mean, sometimes you have to give some fucks because you inadvertently can hurt people's feelings. Which that's is- different, though. That's different than someone being like, "Why are you talking about sex?" It's like, yeah. Give me yeah. some real Go critique. Back, yeah. I'll listen to it. But if your critique has no basis, then I'll reply to you with a similar level of respect. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it too. So when do the books come into play? I guess the, the, the starting of the podcast started with when Cam was in college. Cam is my middle son. I have a daughter and then my son Cam and then my younger son Jeremy. My daughter's name is Jessica, by the way. Anyway, so when Cam was in college, he was trying to do some stand-up comedy, and sometimes he would take my book, A Cougar's Guide to Getting Your Ass Back Out There. Because he was doing stand-up comedy about your YouTube, because he found your YouTube when he was searching for sex advice for himself. Yeah, I I think the exact video was Cougar Gives Advice on Oral Sex or something like that. He was looking for oral sex, and he found my video, or one of his friends told him about my video. Great search terms, by the way. Yeah, Yeah. why not? It was great. I'm coming right up there. Yeah, SEO is perfect. Yeah. So he was doing a stand-up comedy and he was using my book and he would just like turn to a page and like, it was about release your inner stripper. And people would say, uh, who wrote that? You know, and he'd say, my mommy, they'd be like, no, you gotta be kidding me. But he got the biggest laughs that that's when he got the biggest laughs. So someone had suggested to him one day, listen, your mother's doing her thing. You're doing your thing. Podcasts are like the latest thing. This was years ago and we've been doing the podcast for six and a half years why don't you guys try doing podcasts? And we did a test video and it got a lot of responses. Great. You know, and it's still the same It's role reversal that, you know, Cam is the father and I'm the daughter type of thing. (laughs) Well, Cam is definitely more conservative when it comes to sex than you are. Like, yeah, yeah. I think he's much more careful about it and you're more like, just enjoy yourself. And he's like, enjoy yourself, but have all these things in place first. And this is the the opening video was basically that. So it hasn't really changed in six and a half years either. It's just an interesting dynamic. I mean, the title in and of itself, like that's what makes me jealous. Like what a brilliant title. I say that to people all the time. Like, what? Let me look into that show. Well, when we were on Tash.0, he was like, you have sex with your mom? And we'd be like, no, we don't have sex with each other. And then, you know, because people just don't get how any son can talk to their mother, like the way he talks to me. Right. It's beautiful, though. And I was telling my mom about it earlier because her sex talk with me was I had sex ed in fourth grade. Like it was very preliminary, like just easy stuff, like basically explaining what it was. And I came home from school that day and she was like, do you have any questions? And I was like, nope. And then I walked in the other room and we didn't talk about it again. But think how great it would be if you could have talked about it then with her. Well, that's what I'm saying. I said, you know, if we'd had an open relationship besides that and you saying basically like don't have sex until marriage all the time, those are the two messages I got. Oh, and also why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free, which is the most offensive and weird nonsensical (laughs) thing to say ever. But if I had had different messaging besides that, if we had been able to talk about it, I actually think I would have waited longer to have sex right? because I would have known myself more and known that like right. doing it at that point wasn't actually the right choice for me. You know, why would we want to learn about sex from other kids the same age who don't know anything more than we do or porn, which is like the, it's entertainment, but certainly not educational or schools that are just teaching abstinence. Right. Why wouldn't we want to learn from someone who birthed you? Right. <laughs> I think a lot of parents and a lot of kids, I do talk to my mom about sex now. Like I actually, I think I told you this when we hung out that one time, but I told her I came out to her as human. Oh, I, love, I love that. <laughs> and I said to both of my parents, I'm like, I love you guys. I've been avoiding talking about this because I didn't want to bring shame to the family. And I know it's like a taboo thing to talk about in Italian Catholic culture, but I need to talk about this because it's part of my humanity. And I don't know if you know this, but the same chakra in the body that's in control of creativity is in control of sex. Wow. So if you're repressing your sexuality, it's clearly going to affect how creative you can be. Oh, no wonder I'm so creative. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, (laughs) I think it's fascinating that you unleashed creatively at the same time you unleashed sexually. How much do I owe you for this counseling session? (laughs) It's free of charge. It's on me. It's on me. No, I just think you're a prime example of unleashing creatively because you embraced your full self. So what I found from this show, I thought, well, what I want to do is help people be creative. No, 
What I want to do with this show is help people be themselves. I love that. Because if you are yourself, if you know yourself, if you trust yourself, if you love yourself, the whole world is at your fingertips. And so what I see you doing when you had that moment of absolute crisis and trauma is you were like Khaleesi. Like I said, you're the mother of dragons. You walked out of the fire <laughs> and became stronger with your three eggs, your kids. Ooh, oh my gosh, it's a perfect shivers. metaphor. Ooh. But just call me Khaleesi. You found your strength and you found who you really were. And through that, you found the way to unleash creatively. But the key was in finding yourself. You're right. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. KLP. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the conversation of talking about this with parents because I think it's a vital importance. And what you're doing to me every week is like a form of social justice. So social justice, I love it. Social justice. Soul, yeah, better. Because it's changing the world through having these open conversations and unshaming conversations. Well, we always like to say making the uncomfortable comfortable. Because by the time you're done with this uncomfortable conversation, whether it's with your mother, your brother, your family, Mm -hmm. friends, whatever it is, you're still going to get closer when you have the conversation. It's just inevitable. And you really feel closer to that person, even if you hated that person. I was going to say, let's do an enactment, but maybe just tell me what you think. If I'm a kid and I, let's say I'm a, in my early twenties and I decide I want to start talking to my parents about sex. What advice do you have for me on how to broach the topic? And what do I do if they just shut me down? Ooh, well, sometimes the, and that can be the same thing with couples. You can bring up a conversation about something you saw on TV or a film, or a book, or even heard about it in your friend group. I remember my daughter, actually, I had seen a a show. It was a a part in the movie where the lead character went and got high. I just thought it was so funny. Our family members found out about it. It was like Home for the Holidays, I think it was called. And I told my daughter, who then was like 11 or 12, and she's like, why are you laughing? I go, I don't know. It's funny that they were getting high. And she's like, wait, you got high? <laughs> and I go, yeah, but I didn't. And I started going, well, I didn't like it. It made me hungry and it made me uncomfortable. I was just trying to deny it because there was no way I had anybody to tell me how to address this conversation when I didn't know what was happening. And later on, she's like, oh, my God, you're not perfect. I'm like, no, I'm not perfect. And so we hugged it out, whatever. I left. I came back later and she says, you know, I'm really glad you told me that because now I know I don't have to try it. So I, I thought she was going to say, because now I know I don't have to be perfect. And it was no, like, this I don't have moment. to No, I don't have to try it. That was her thing. But what I'm trying to say is the more that you as a parent deny your kids the choices and the consequences that happen when they try, whether it be candy, whether it be sports, if you're doing too much video games or whatever, and you deny your kids anything that they like to do so much that they're addicted to it or whatever, not even addicted, they just tried it and they liked it, Mm -hmm. even if it was like wine or something, the more you make it such a forbidden fruit, like what your parents did with sex, Mm -hmm. the more that the kids want to do it. And like you said, if you made it much more approachable, like when kids would come over to my house, they would see candy from like Halloween that my kids never ate because it was always out of the table. They'd be like, my mom doesn't let me eat candy. I'm going to eat the candy. Yeah. See, like I didn't want to do it, but I also, like I did want to have sex, but I didn't want to like go out and be like, woo. I just felt so much shame around it. And I think I made a bad decision when I did have sex for the first time because of it. What caused the shame? Well, basically being told my whole life that good girls only kiss and they don't do anything until they're married. And that the only way to like be a good woman is to wait until you have sex. I mean, wait until you're married to have sex. Right, right. Yeah. Did did you at any time think in your head that that did not make sense? Okay, you want to know why I finally did it? Because I, I was do. Because <laughs> I was in acting school, and I was in acting school in New York, and I was in this scene, and the character had had sex the night before, and I realized this. I literally had this thought sitting in the acting class. I go, I want to be human as much as I can be human, and a vital part of the human experience is having and understanding what sex is. Mm. How can I understand and portray a character if I haven't lived a full human experience? So I want to experience this vital part of being human, and I'm going to have sex. So you did it for your career. Basically. <laughs> I slept my way to the top, but not with anyone that mattered. <laughs> Just I did it for myself because I wanted to understand the full extent of what it meant to be a person. So if you weren't in acting class, would you still have 
figured out a way to rationalize why I'm sure I would have because it's like, how long are you going to live for someone else? But, you know, I don't blame my mom because that was the messaging she was given. And I think in her generation, like women questioned the messages that they were given much less. Oh, yeah. And there are bigger consequences for questioning them. That's why I'm so impressed by what you've done, because your generation had a lot bigger consequences for being a dissenting voice. Yeah, my mom um, would always say, you're not going to go exchange sputum with another boy. Sputum is spit, right? Sputum is spit. I'm like, (laughs) uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think our generation was the silent generation where even women didn't even like talk in bed. It was like, Mm -hmm. try to guess what you should do next. You know, but the guy is like supposed to be like blindfolded and try to figure out what to do to turn you on. So again, I think a lot of it just has to do with just experiencing life. And I think as a parent right now, I think it's in your best interest if you want to raise good, healthy kids is just to talk openly about whenever they ask you a question, answer it. Even if it's awkward to answer it, it's going to be better in the long run because most parents want to be close to their kids. They do. And it doesn't have to be awkward. Like, you know, when it gets, you and Cam do it on the, on the show all the time. Like there's a time sometimes when it gets to the point where it's too awkward and you guys go in a different direction Yeah, where Cam will be like, I don't want to know that. You know? know, it's true. But sometimes that boundary line just gets crossed. Uh, and, and, and I don't want to hear shit either sometimes, yeah. but the bottom line is we're on an extreme, obviously, because we do a talk show about mm-hmm. talking about sex, but for most people, I think it's just such a great idea. Yeah. But I also had this thing happen where I've talked about it on the show like one or two times, but I had like a pre-melanoma on my vulva oh, when wow. I was home and I had That's to get scary. it removed. It was really scary. My parents, though, were driving me to the doctor's office. This was during COVID. So like when you talk with your dad about your vulva like several times a week, that opens up the discussion. So seriously, since that's happened, our relationship has gotten so much better because there's kind of nothing off limits anymore. Like we, that's interesting though, because yeah. you're already talking about that little private area that yeah, your little what did it, what did you, the flap the little flappy area it was in the flap the, little, the labia <laughs> yeah the labia, but yeah, if you just use those terms, maybe that would make it much easier to talk to kids as well. Yeah, because it is a part of your body at the end of the day. That's another thing I say. It's like looking at your vulva or your vagina isn't just like in a spiritual experience, which it can be. But it's also like that's a part of your body and you need to look at it to make sure that it's healthy because I discovered it myself. My doctor did it. That's wild. Yeah. Same My doctor with... said it was nothing, actually. I had to that's go scary. get a second opinion. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Wow. No, but it's it's like there was a guy that I interviewed and he did a, I, I don't know how, 500 different vaginas cast in plaster wow. Paris or whatever. He made art and like he would put them all on the wall. Like some of them were twins, some of their kids, some are all, all right. vaginas. A lot of people didn't know which one was their vagina. They've done studies where, you know, you can show 10 different vaginas and women won't know which one is theirs. Yeah. I know which one is mine. Would you know which one is yours? I don't know. I'd like to think I would, but I can't say with 100% certainty. I'd like to know what your listeners would think about that. Would you know your vagina? We should put it as a poll. Let's put it out as a poll on Instagram. Okay. I want to shift a little bit because you have so much great advice to give. You made this huge change in your career and your life when you were in your 40s. And I think a lot of people, especially women out there, feel like okay, I reach a certain age and I can't do, like the options are closed for me. If there's someone out there listening right now that feels like life has passed them by and that they don't have any options, which, you know, is never really true. But if they're feeling like that, what would be your advice on how to get started on your dreams? Okay. First of all, it's all in my book of Cougars. Got to get your ass back out there. Just, so let's just, go just get, that saying, book. get the book. But the main thing is confidence again. And mm-hmm. the only way you're going to get confidence is like the things that I was suggesting. Go find a group of friends. This really helped me. They can be male or female, it doesn't matter, but that you can hang out with. I mean, most people in their 40s are getting divorced. They're not widows. Mm-hmm. And women get really horny the second time around. I can tell you that. And I also interviewed couples that got them together the second time around. And I asked them the importance of sex the second time around. And they were all like 10 out of 10. Everyone thinks that that was like very, very That's important. interesting. So the, do you think it's because the first time they didn't pay enough attention to it? 
Well, I think the first time they were young and got married because, you know, the prince and the, you you're know, supposed the, to. yeah, you're supposed to. What a, it, there can be a million reasons that they got divorced, but usually at the end of their relationship, they probably stop having intimacy and sex. If you're out there, you know what I'm talking about. The second adolescence, you get really horny the second time around and your sexual peaking is in your forties as well as if you're a woman as Can't opposed wait. to, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's like your body's telling you, come on, you only got a few eggs left. You better do it now. Yeah. So get the lingerie, buy some sex toys. I mean, we have great stuff on our, our link tree. If you want to look up sex, talk with my mom's link tree, then we you can find out all kinds of good sex toys to get. But, you know, explore yourself like we've talked about. Just buy clothes that you think are sexy that, you know, because everybody can, everybody has some ass, and there's no excuses anymore if you've got a fat ass or big boobs, as we just discussed. No. People love that. They People love are it. paying for the fat ass. Yeah. yeah. They, it's unbelievable. Twerking porn is huge. Camp's what favorite. else can you do? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I said that. You know, you can find that friend the way I did. And yeah. I, I suggest you find more than one friend because then if that friend starts dating someone, then you're like, oh, what am I going to do? I have no one to go out with. So find a bunch, find a group. I had a group and I'm still good friends with them, even though most of them are now, you know, partnered up again. So find that group of friends. And just put yourself out there. Just get out and don't be afraid to talk to people. Don't be afraid if a young guy comes up to talk to you either. And don't say, oh, you're old, you're old enough to be my son. Just let give it a try. It's a lot easier to be uninhibited when they're younger than you and they don't have any expectations and hatred and, you know. Yeah, that's true. Set in their ways. Like dating someone younger can be hard because they don't know as much, but also good because they don't know as much. That means they're also not bringing their baggage to the table. Exactly. Which is nice. No, so it's, it's great. For somebody though, who's pursuing like a dream, like what you did with making your own talk show, what would be your advice to that kind of person who's like, maybe they're like midlife or beyond, like how do they get over the fear and get started? Just do as, it. Exactly. <laughs> as, as Nike would tell you, just do it. It literally is that easy. There is wow. nothing holding you back except you. Well, you seem like a very fearless person. What if somebody's riddled with fear? I know you do have some anxiety and stuff. So like, how do oh. you work on taking fear out of the driver's seat of your life? So maybe fear is there, but it's not making decisions for you. Right. Well, first of all, if it's really controlling you, then you should see a therapist to work on that anxious side of you. My anxiety is always something medical. It's never interactive in relationship or any of that kind of stuff. But you know, if you have anxiety, try to fix the anxiety, I guess, first. And I think that the more you do something, the more you try it, the easier it becomes. Mm -hmm. So just push up against it and try it. And if you feel like something's telling you not to do it, put on a post-it note every day. You should tell this to the guys, just something positive about yourself or positive about what you're thinking of doing. Yeah. And, you know, keep doing your job and then dabble. There's so much resources out there on all kinds of social medias to whatever you're thinking. Like I knew someone who's a ma manicurist and she is all about making her own landscape. She does all this landscaping, do it yourself landscaping by oh, cool. on YouTube so she's too paralyzed to go and become a professional landscape architect. But I think that if you have an ability to do something special, everyone does. You just have to find it and release it. Yes. Push that creative baby into the world. Look at that. You can be helping so many people, Lauren, oh. with your creative. No, I mean, I never really thought about it. any of the things the way you're thinking about them. It's very special. Thank you. Well, you do it. You're doing it in the world. You're just not calling it what it is. To me, you inspire people to know it's never too late for you. You never. can always have a second life. Your renaissance is just around the corner. You can have something terrible happen to you in your life and actually get stronger. You can have your greatest success after children and even with your children. Because I think that's another thing. Like I always thought before I did this show that I had to do everything I wanted to do and then have babies. Because if I didn't do everything before I had babies, then my life basically would never take off. What I found out from doing this show, and you're included in this, is every single woman that I've ever had on the show has had her greatest success post-child. Oh, that's very interesting. I was going to just tell you to freeze your eggs. Oh, I'm going to next year. It's <laughs> plan. I got to get my gut healthy first, but uh. we're getting there. Okay, so my final question. Currently, I could talk to you forever. I hope you come back. Ditto. You're I one will. of my favorite humans. But I ask people a lot about their inner child, but since I feel like you have had several different like parts of your life, but I'm thinking of your, your first renaissance, which was in your 40s. And if you could go back to that Karen Lee, who was in her 40s, 
dating again for the first time, putting yourself out there. And if you two, that version of you and you now were standing in the same room looking at each other, what do you think you would say to her and why? Oh, my goodness. I would just say keep being you because I don't have any regrets. I feel like I think that I'm in like a certain like boat and there's always like two paths Mm -hmm. and you can steer into one path or the other path. And either path you steer in, you're going to do well. Even if it's the wrong path, you'll learn that this was the wrong way to go because you learn more from your failure than your successes. So you go back and try the other path. But the bottom line is no matter which path you take, you're going to be fine. Aw. And what do you think she would say to you now and why? She'd say, you little slut. No, she would would say, uh, uh, I'm glad I followed that inner inner star that you had then. I I don't have any regrets. I really don't. Because even, like I said, even those times that I made the wrong judgment calls or, or errors, and it all can be remedied. I mean, we're all here to learn our lessons. I really believe that. Yeah. So once we learn our lessons, we just keep pushing on, as Ariel Speedwagon would say. Keep pushing on. And with that, we end with REI Speedwagon. <laughs> Is that what it call- it's called? REI. REI. Yeah. Uh, REO. REO Speedwagon. Karen, ask, ask your mom. I will. I think I know one of their songs. It's a it's very famous. Okay, I'll look it up after Roll this. with the changes. But you are an inspiration just by being who you are. So, so are you. Thank you. I adore you and I'm really grateful for the work you do in the world and for most importantly, who you are because who you are is the best thing about you. I mean, this was the best therapy session I've had in ages. <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> You're awesome. You are too. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you. Thank you for listening and thanks to my guest, Karen Lee Poder. For more info on Karen Lee, follow her at Karen Lee Poder on Instagram, TikTok. Check her out on YouTube. She's basically everywhere on the internet and she's amazing. You can also check out her podcast, Sex Talk with My Mom, wherever you get your podcasts. And her books, Fuck Games, Date Cougars, and A Cougar's Guide to Getting Your Ass Back Out There on Amazon and wherever you get your books. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit this episode of Unleashed. You can follow her at Rach E. Fulton. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's new theme music. You can follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. My wish for you this week is that you realize how resilient, powerful, and capable you are. That even if something terrible has happened to you, that you can rise from that trauma and become an even more authentic version of yourself. And know that it is never too late to start a new life or dream. You're limitless, and let Karen Lee be your mentor from afar to teach you how amazing and confident you can really be. I love you, and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.